0: You know, it was just one hour, four times a week, but the rest of the day, so the rest of the 15, 16 hours I spent with them, I was a way better mom, I was a way more tolerant, I was a way more patient. So they actually benefited from it, yeah, I think. And um, that's kind of how I, I reconciled it in my own head. And yeah. um, sport's such a big part of um, teenagers' lives that if they haven't got sport, I think it's, um, it is really challenging mm. for teenage kids. So I'm one of the proudest things, one of the biggest things I am proudest of as a parent is that all my kids still do sport actively. Yeah, I, I think the problem with, with doctors and this medical advice is that they're only doing the best with the information they've got, whereas you understand your body and you understand the parameters and you, you can make changes. So you've got to kind of take control of these things yourself.
1: This week on the Fit Parent Playbook, we have 37-time marathoner Chantel Peacock with us. But her journey is much more than just a collection of race medals. As a mother of three... She's not only conquering marathons, but also managing one of Australia's largest lead generation websites alongside her husband. That being, Solar Quotes. In today's episode, we delve deep into the life of a parent who's taken on the world. From relocating countries to raising children, and taking bold business risks. But that's not all, Chantelle has an extraordinary comeback story that will leave you in awe. Imagine being told that you'll never run again, only to defy the odds and come back stronger than ever. So whether you're a parent or an aspiring marathoner, you love our chat with Chantelle Pitcock. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, guys, but today, instead of telling you to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I've got a little challenge for you. Now, we've spoken a lot about habit creation on this podcast, and we want to be a part of creating a healthy habit for you. So this week, your challenge is simply to listen to this podcast whilst you're moving. It could be a walk, a run, you could be in the garden or in the gym, get creative. Let's make it a bit of a habit for you that every time you hear this, it creates a trigger to get you moving. So pause this podcast now, get outside, and then hit play again. Oh, and while you're at it, please like us on Instagram, subscribe to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm sorry, couldn't help myself. Enjoy the podcast. Jace, DK, how are you, mate? I'm really good, mate. <laughs> Because I'm not going to lie,
2: I had a bit of a laugh this morning uh, with your intro that you write. What was so funny about my intro, mate? Well, uh, every week you write one and uh, we follow it, and I just noticed a, a bit of a typo. These do occur a bit, but uh, you, I know you've got a bit of time on your hands, yet it's still happening, mate. You probably want to double-check the old work you let you R- put in.
1: right mate. Well, what was the typo?
2: Well, you said uh, today's guests has run 37 marathons, so is that three or yeah. seven? Uh Nah, Jace, that's
1: uh, it's not a timer, mate. That, that's right. It's 37 oh. marathons.
2: But uh, hang on. You said she only started running at 36?
1: Correct, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, she's sitting in front of me, and she doesn't look a day over 40.
1: Uh, it also <laughs> said that she's got her 25th wedding anniversary coming up. So what, you reckon she got married at 15? Well, okay, that's a, that, you've got a point there. But, <laughs> mate. What, what's going on? Mate. The show notes are correct, and you've completely butchered my intro. Do you mind if I just do it properly now? Uh, all right, all yours, mate. So, thank ignore you. Ignore me. Ignore thank, me. Thank you, Jace. Jace, as you mentioned, today's guest, she is not only a 37-time marathon runner. How? She's a mother of three, a business owner, an entrepreneur. But she's also managed to come back from a very rare injury. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Chantelle. were you told that you would never run again?
0: Uh, basically, I was told that I wouldn't run any longer than 5k, yep.
1: Incredible. And then she ran another marathon, yes. So, Chantelle Peacock, welcome to the podcast.
0: Mm, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: No worries at all. Now, Chantelle, tell us a little bit about your family situation.
0: Okay, so currently I am living in South Australia. I have three kids, um, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old. I've been with my partner Finn for 25 years and um, yep, I've been in SA 14 years now. 14 years? Yep.
2: Wow. And where's your accent from?
0: Well... Believe it or not, I was actually born in Australia. Really? Yeah, what? I lived I lived here. and um, my my um, biological parents came over in the seventies, ten pound poms. Yeah. Um brought up in so I was born in Katoomba, the Blue Mountains. Oh, right. mm-hmm. Yep, lived there till I was five and then my biological mother got homesick and we went back to the northern England when I was five. So oh, wow. I spent twenty years in northern England and then When I was about 26, 27 I met Finn and then I just had this hankering to come back to Australia so we just packed our bags and came over with backpacks just to see how it went and that was 2002 and yeah we basically never left.
1: So you didn't marry Finn at 15? Jason's got no. that wrong? No, I'd like slightly.
2: to say.
0: Uh, I'm slightly 40. off,
2: slightly off of the numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah, 48 this year I am.
1: Oh, 48. Yeah. So why, you moved to Australia. Did you have your children in the UK? Um,
0: you, no, no, we came over 26. So um, yeah, just me and Finn and two backpacks. Mm. And uh, it was interesting, the, um, the moment I landed, Finn wasn't actually with me at the time. I came on my own. He came a couple of months later. And um, I remember landing in Sydney and walking up George Street and seeing the... Um, the bridge hmm. and literally just crying and feeling like at home it was the weirdest thing because oh. i hadn't left i was five but i think there was those now i understand kids a bit better like those formative years must have really had a big impact on me because i just fell at home immediately and that was it i just knew that i'd never go back i knew that this was going to be my life wow. yeah it was just that walk up and seeing the bridge it was wow. yeah it was pretty amazing really that kind of just that guttural feeling
1: do you still hmm. remember that from being a five-year-old But
0: Oh, I've only got, I haven't got very many memories um, from living here. I remember once my sister nearly drowned in a river in the Blue Mountains, but obviously that was quite traumatic. I think she was flailing around and my, my dad picked her out the, the water. But apart from that, I've, my memories are pretty scanty, actually.
1: Yeah, same. So you've, you've moved to Australia. Yeah. And then what happened?
0: Um, well, we had the best time in our late twenties in Manly, Sydney. Yeah. Let me tell you, three years, no kids, so it was heaps of fun. I just loved the Australian culture. I loved the beaches. I loved the sunshine. I loved the food. I loved the attitude. So, I just yeah really embraced it. Um, and then we had kids. Um, so I was thirty-one when I had my first child, yeah. and then um, we couldn't afford to live in like buy a house in Sydney, so we moved up to New South Wales, Newcastle, and yeah. lived there for three years, mm-hmm. and I had my second child there. Yeah. But um. I always, uh, I don't know if you know much about Newcastle, New Mm. South Wales, but I just just never felt at home there. And um, I wasn't working, I was at home with the kids and um, we were kind of always trying to do a side hustle online. Like the internet was just really sort of coming about 2005, 2006. So we had various online adventures, me and Finn, I think we had three or four. Businesses that like you what, know, like what, what I mean, you we've done. So we started a website about British TV. We started <laughs> a um, this is a really good one. We had a time capsule, and basically, what we used to do is Finn write right, this software where you'd scrape the internet every day, mm. and then when you're you know when when your baby was born, we could give you a CD with all the. Um, the mm. Things that were topical on that day, oh, so it was, cool. yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a time capsule. Um, so it worked really well, but what we realized quickly was that we were just basically scraping other people's websites, so mm. if we couldn't really really build a business, to um,
1: so you're trying to say you you were the original AI? Uh, well,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were just always trying some scum, was well, I'll say scum, oh. but just oh. trying to make it was, it was a legitimate way to make yeah. money online. But we tried several businesses before, um, and yeah. we eventually found one that worked. So, so it was
2: a uh, dial up. Dial-up days? Yeah, that's exactly right. I can still remember air. that.
0: Yeah, and I used to print off the CD, and I used to post it off to oh, people, gosh. and I think we'd make, I don't know, about 800 books a month, but it was like yeah. kind of a side hustle while we were yeah, having right. kids, and Finn was at work. He was working for CSIRO at the time in their energy sector, so he was working, and I would do this at home, and then we'd spend the weekend kind of putting up a website, seeing if we sold, working on AdWords, so kind of just really mm. understanding that space.
1: Yeah. And how hard was that, being a mother of three or two well, at the time? Well, at that time? stage,
0: I was just two. But what happened was um, my, my sister basically said she would move over to Australia for a year. And would I move wherever she moved to? Her husband was a doctor. He was going to get a placement. Yeah. And I said, sure. But when you're living in New South Wales, nothing else really exists apart from Melbourne and Sydney, you know, the rest of Australia. Anyway, she phoned me up and said, oh, we got that placement. I said, oh, great. Where are we going? She went to Adelaide. I was like, <laughs> What? she was like well you said you come i'm like ah oh, okay so i got off the phone of to and i said i think i've just committed just to moving to adelaide uh. <laughs> like literally that was it and cool. then and he was like oh i never really liked that job anyway let's say i was pregnant with my third i had a nine month old a one and a half year old he quit his cushy CSIRO job you know what government jobs are like yeah. yeah and um we decided just to backpack or to camp for three months me heavily pregnant two toddler. And MT learned to walk in a camp, so my young, my boy. And then Finn would spend this three months trying to get a business online that we could use to pay the rent. Wow. And that was kind of how we started Sailor Quotes. Sailor Quotes, so, the quote, so yeah.
1: we'll get into that in a second. But, jeez, that's a really gutsy move, isn't it, just to to pack your life up. And financially, How how were you mentally... Dealing with that, knowing that you could potentially be in some financial strife with
0: well, three kids. it's true. Like a lot, of, a lot of my friends thought I was crazy sort of encouraging Finn to quit that job. It's, she's like, you, you know, you're, I remember one one friend that was in the um, army actually said, oh, I think it's really responsible what he's doing. You know, you're pregnant. You've mm-hmm. got two kids. You're selling your house. He's quitting his job. And then, um, oh, this is actually a really good story. So what happened was when we and Finn we were first met, we were living in Glasgow in 1999. And he came home with this dodgy bit of artwork. And um, he spent 500 pounds on this artwork. And I was like, mate, you got ripped off. And uh-huh. he's like, what? What? I think it's great. I'm like, it was just a stencil. And he's like, I'm going to go back and get another. I'm like, don't you dare. We're just paying the mortgage. we're rent. We're just paying the rent. Like, don't waste another 500 pounds on this. Anyway, turns out it was an original Banksy scene. Oh, that I knew bought. you were going to say that. Yeah. Mate, so what happened was just before we. Fire out. I know, right? So just before we left newcastle we said right okay let's let's sell the Banksy, and at least we've got a bit of we've got a bit of leeway it won't be much but we've got a bit of leeway so basically we phoned up so Biz in london and then we're like uh yeah yeah yeah, william it was just at the height when he was just getting famous it was like 2007 maybe mm. um so they literally the next day got a van drove up to our mate's house it was just hanging in a random mate's house in Edinburgh, picked the the hating up and then we auctioned it at southern biz like three weeks later mm. I think we got, I think it was like 65,000 oh pounds, God. no Aussie dollars. So yeah, right. so it was enough to give us a bit of leeway Yeah, just to kind of give us a bit of breathing space, but that's literally all we had. We had nothing else. Um, So it oh. just gave us that. So we figured we could probably live for about a year frugally on that if we were frugal.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, and and tell us about Solar quotes because it is an amazing website and w- what it does, Jazz. I know, don't know if you know a lot about it, but... It's a lead generation website? Yeah. Yep. And and how does it help people?
0: Yeah, so um, basically when we first got into it in 2009, um, if you'd been working for CSRO in the renewable sector and you could see there was a real gap in the market for um, information about solar and what was happening with the rebate was really heavy at the time so there was a lot of scammers or you know kind of like dodgy electricians getting in on the um, solar and they, so they were installing crap solar that was not going to last and was end up being pulled off people's roofs so the idea was the website would have lots of information to make sure that When people did get solar, they were really, um, really happy with their purchase, it was going to last 30 years, it was from a retro installer, it was installed properly. So the the idea was about that, just really educating it for the homeowners. So it was always free for the homeowners and still is obviously free for the homeowners. But our idea was that we'd make sure that we only took really reputable installers. So we'd only recommend people that we could guarantee would do a good job and weren't going to rip the homeowners off. So that's basically the the premises of it.
2: Yeah, and then the the company would pay you obviously. Uh yeah, so it's for the lead.
0: Yeah, so it's a lead generator. It's of a small amount, so it's yeah. 45 bucks, so yeah. it's um which is also really good because it's not commission based. So we're really impartial. So if a homeowner emails us with quotes from the three people that we recommended, but then also somebody else. If that quote's better, the other person, then we'll say go with the other quote. That kind of keeps us impartial. Hmm. Um yeah, so that's yeah. kind of it and a basis.
1: Yeah. And so you've started a business. You're heavily pregnant and then all of a sudden you decide i'm going to run a marathon
0: well so it didn't it didn't happen as quickly as that so I, once i had lulu which is my third um so she was born to, at least 2009 the business was just starting off and um I was probably a little bit overweight. I was I was kind of that person that nobody ever said to me, oh, she's all baby. Like I was big and I loved it. I loved being big. I just loved, I kind of loved being pregnant. I
1: can't ever imagine you being. I, I was
0: 95 kilos. No, you weren't. I, That's I, a lie. I, that is not a lie. I swear on my three kids' life, I was 95 kilos. You
1: were 95, I was 95. kilos. Wow, I, Jason, describe Chantel's figure uh, for us at the moment. Very, yeah, we'll say very
2: slim. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stereotypical marathon runner, yeah, really isn't
1: correct, it?
0: Correct. Yeah. 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 No, no I, I, full on yeah. was, but I, I, loved it. Like I thought it was great. Like I was, you know, I had these big bosoms and I was big. Like I was just really, I just love being pregnant yeah. and being big. But obviously, once the baby comes out and then it's not baby anymore, yeah, it it's just much, big. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um. So I kind of started. It was in September actually, my birthday. Mm-hmm. And so Lily was born in February. It was September, and there was this like local boot camp group, like women who um. I'd seen around, and I said, "You know, I really want to do something. For, I really want to kind of get back into a bit of fitness." And um, they shoot the, Anna, Anna Liptak, um, she runs this six-week program. So I said, I'll just sign up for six weeks. And he's like, Chantal, we're already getting no sleep. Like, they've yeah. got three kids under three. They're all up, you know, at least changing, up, up changing nappies twice a night with two of them. He said, you're mad? Why would you want to get up at 6 a.m.? Because his classes was at 6 a.m. I'm like, oh, God, just, let me just try it for, you know, six weeks. Six-week program, you know, we didn't yeah. have any money at the time. So it's a bit of a stretch, but let's just, let's just give it a go. What can go have in six weeks? So I got him to commit to the 6 weeks program. And it was just a it was just a life changer for me. Just the difference in my um, approach when I come back in the mornings was just changed my whole mental my mental framework. And, and I know that so that was back in two thousand and nine. And I think then we didn't talk a lot about mental health or um you know there wasn't there was nothing about anxiety or how exercise can help you it was still quite new i think but looking back it really just what it's what i needed just to give me that mental clarity i was just a better person when i got back i was a better mum was better with the kids i could deal with things better mm. so um yeah so after the 6 weeks it was never really a question whether i'd start it was just my, my um my mood just changed so much that yeah. so it was just a game changer for the whole family. How,
1: how long did it take you? You, you mentioned six weeks. Like, was it two or three sessions where you, obviously it's really hard at the start to wake up at six o'clock in the morning after you've had no sleep? Was, how long did it take you to break through before you realized, geez, this is, this is important. I need to keep doing this.
0: I, th- I think it was, it was probably within a few weeks and not because I had any breakthrough with fitness. Like fitness takes more than six weeks. It was just the, the mental. Yeah, my the mental
2: endorphins and so forth. Yeah. Were like, you a lot more tired in the evening though? Obviously getting less sleep again or did you pass out easier or something? Oh
0: yeah, I, th- I, I sleep really well. Like yep. I've all, So I think I, I just, when I went to bed, I slept really well. So And I, th- I think your body clock does change. You do, I do go to, even now I go to bed early, but I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. I get up early, I go to bed early. It's just kind of my lifestyle. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was, it's just something in the way you approach the day, that mental clarity that you just get from exercise.
1: Yeah. And then how, so you managed it by going early and then what, how did Finn, did he have to look after the children early or how did that discussion yeah, so
0: Yeah, so it was a bit of discussion. So it was four mornings a week and um, oh, my, li- my youngest used to, oh, she used to, I used to put her in bed and she would go to me, no, ooh, no, oo, which was no, run, no, run, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And I used to have to say, yes, mommy, ooh, mommy ooh. daddy will be there in the morning. And I remember this one morning she got up and she went into our bedroom and I wasn't there and she looked at Finn and then she just stomped up the hall, like this hall here. <laughs> And Finn got out of bed and um, he, he said, she, she must have had him in too. She looked at him, she uh, took, took an nappy off, chucked it on the floor oh, oh. and just weed right there in front oh, of him. She was say. just so angry. Oh, my uh, God. I don't uh. remember that was certain mornings I'd just get it in the neck. He's like, that girl. Um, but, and, you know, as part of the compromise, I could stay home every day and then, you know, be a bit crotchety with him and a bit crotchety with her. But, you know, he just dealt with it. He was yeah.
1: good. A lot of the mums have mentioned the guilt. How did you get over the guilt of that? <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that is a good question because you do feel selfish sometimes that you um are putting your fitness needs above those, but I do genuinely believe I was better, better parent when I did it. So I was actually, I might not have been there for that hour and it's just an yep. hour. It's just yep. one hour, you know, it was just one hour, four times a week, but the rest of the day. So the rest of the 15, 16 hours I spent with them, I was a way better mum, I was a way more tolerant. I was a way more patient. So they actually benefited from it, yeah, I think. And that's um, kind of how I I reconciled it in my own head.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and with the actual exercise, did you enjoy it or was it more the actual feeling you got from it that kept you going back?
0: Um, it was probably a mixture. I enjoyed the exercise. Yeah. I enjoyed the group. I think yep. the groups and the friendships that you make are pretty important. I don't think I'd have done it if I'd have just been doing it on my own. So I think the groups and friendships are key to that consistency. Mm. Um, did I enjoy the exercises? I, th- I think I was pretty lucky. The boot camps that we do is pretty fun, you know, so the yep. ladies, so it's very sort of light-hearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. yeah it was good
1: and then when did you decide you're going to run a marathon
0: yeah so that wasn't so 2009 I started my boot camp and I ran my first marathon in 2011 but I probably started training for it 2010 and I still remember the day that I thought oh my god I might do this is that I was doing the you do you know the troll trailblazer, the trailblazer, like 50k walk like uh, yeah. thing the
2: yeah 50 100k one yeah yeah
0: that you do through the Adelaide yep. Hills and I did the 50k there was a group of us there was four of us and I still remember I was climbing over the stye, and it was a bit like I was with Anna um, and I said to her, oh, do you think I'd ever be able to do a marathon? And she looked at me and she went, yeah, of course you will. And I thought, oh, shit, I think I might be able to do one. And it was a moment then that somebody's told me, oh, yeah, you would, that I actually thought, oh, I can. So then, you know, I started planning and I found one and I got a place and... Again, Finn said, you're crazy. How are you going to train for a marathon? We were doing a kind of round-the-world trip at that stage. It's like, you're nuts. We're traveling. We're going to spend two months traveling, and you're going to train for a marathon. But there's nothing worse than someone tells you that you can't do yeah, something. Was, you're like, mate, right. yeah. I've got this. Yes, I will make this work. And, and yes, You did. I did. With,
2: with that running, so what were you running before you decided that you are going to do a marathon? Were you running fives, tens, twenties?
0: Oh, yeah, no. It would not be twenties. It wouldn't even camp. be tens. Just the boot camp. And yeah. yeah so. And
2: so how long did it take? Well, how long did you allow yourself to prepare for the marathon?
0: I think I just pulled one of those Nike plans offline yeah. that, you know, it was maybe like a 16-week plan yeah. and it was a tick sheet. I think there was three runs during the week and one long run in the weekend and that was it. I've been lucky for doing 60, 70k. It was pretty simple. Yeah. It Amazing. was perfect for me. Just tick it off. Monday and do what, this.
2: And what, what time did you get for your first one? Yes,
0: yeah, so my first, I was very lucky. My first one was in London, so yeah. um, I managed to get placed for that and I got four hours and 22 seconds.
1: Oh, oh. Yeah. So were you happy with that, or were you a Mate, bit like, I was, wish
0: not that twenty? No, no, I was stoked. That's yeah. the thing yeah. when you first do your first, you just yeah. you can't believe you've actually run that far, and it was just That's such an amazing experience.
2: A pretty good time That's for good sixteen case. weeks of training, to yeah. be honest.
0: And I, I didn't look at my watch once. Yeah. I did, like I didn't know what my splits were. I didn't. I mean, I had a watch, so it was recorded, but I didn't. I couldn't even tell you what if, if I if I negative split. But I didn't care. It was just. Yeah. So I, I, I think in some ways that was kind of the best one because it was just so pure. It was just about the running.
2: Th- yeah, I think like some people don't want to do a marathon because of that pressure of like time on my pace and they're comparing themselves to mm. you know other people that do run them it's just that's a good attitude to have just go out there and not look at your watch just enjoy the experience and yeah. the accomplishment i think mm, because it's huge
0: i mean it's a long it's a long way like even after what 37 oh, it's, but yeah. it's even this no one i've got coming up i'm still slightly scared about yeah. the distance if it's you're a not long scared way to run.
2: it's i don't know it's not a challenge, is it? Yeah.
1: So, so yes. what inspired you to keep on going? Because a lot of people just run one marathon. They're like, you know what? Tick that one off the list. I'm done.
0: Again, I've got a really good story about this. So what <laughs> happened was I eventually, so um, we kind of did a few and then I, we got a ticket into Boston, me and my mate Anna, and we were like, oh my God, I call a favorite Boston. So we're over in the line of Boston. At this stage, I was thinking that, you know I think maybe that would be my f- oh, I was 2013 so maybe I'd done like four or something and we were queuing up the line and for pastigener you know all these events have got pastigeners the nights before and we were queuing up and there was this like a group of American older crazy ladies and um we were just talking and someone was said oh how many have you done to this lady and this lady had done something like I don't know well I remember if it was 50 or 30 or 40 but it was it was a large number and then I looked at Anna and I said oh my God, I know, we don't have to stop. We can keep going. Like people just keep going and doing it and uh. doing it and doing it. And she looked at me and went, oh my God, you're crazy. <laughs> you're I didn't know. I thought you just had to stop because I thought that's what yeah. you did. But you don't. You can just keep going. No, yeah. one, no one says you've got to stop.
1: No, no. So um, did you set yourself a goal like I'm, uh, I'm going to – do two marathons a year or three marathons a year or did you just sort of pick them select them then start training for them
0: yeah i just sort of pick and and select them really and again i think that's probably one of the reasons i've kept going is that um i kind of each start of the year i'll pick either one or two and they just use them as goals to go. And for me, it's like about travel or it's about the experience or it's about doing with a group. If I find a good group, like there's a good group going to Berlin, for example, there's nine of us, some really good runners that I get to experience it with. So it's kind of really just about the experience. That That's kind of how it's flowed in the and, holiday.
1: And how has this affected your family? Has um, this got your children into running or? Um,
0: uh, no, 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 definitely, definitely not my kids are not runners. Um, as I said, I've got a 14-year-old 16-year-old and a 17-year-old. And um, they, they don't run. I've tried tried to be one of those parents that drags them along to Parkham, but I realised pretty early on it's just painful for them, painful for me. It's just, you know, they're not into it, which is fine. But um, I am lucky that they, um, so all three of them still compete at their chosen sport. Each of them have got a different sport that they do. So even my 17-year-old still competes competitively at gymnastics. And um, My boy does soccer and my youngest does volleyball. So they all probably train... Five to six times a week, wow. so it's for that. And what I've realised again for mental health is that for kids that struggle, and um, sport's such a big part of um, teenagers' lives that if they haven't got sport, I think it's um, it is really challenging mm. for teenage kids. So. And one of the proudest things, one of the biggest things I am proudest of as a parent is that all my kids still do sport actively. And I hope they don't ever listen to that, but neither three of them are any good at it, really, any good at yeah. the chosen sport. I don't, please. I hope you're not listening, kids. Um, I mean, that you know, n- not one of them would be like, oh my God, that's such a, you know, the standout in any of their teams, but they love it and mm. they go every week and they take the ups and the downs and they know you've got to work hard and you know, you only get better with practice. Yeah. So. Um, And the fact they're still doing it for me is a big achievement. So I guess that's how it's impacted them.
1: How did you manage it time-wise? Because I know Finn's really into his bike riding, which Mm. takes up a lot of time. Running takes up a lot of time. And you've got to be parents and you've got to run a business. How did you manage it?
0: Oh, yeah, Well, I've been lucky in that respect. Um, I'm definitely a morning person where Finn's more of a night owl and he's more happy to ride during the day. He mountain bikes, so, um, yeah, we've got different spots. So kind of the, the mornings have always sort of been my domain and he's happy to chill out with the kids and then I give him the space in the afternoons or the evenings to go and do his riding. So I guess I've been lucky that it's kind of managed, worked well.
1: Yeah. And you've been running for, what, 10, 10 years then? No, 12, 12 years and all of a sudden you've been diagnosed with a pretty rare injury.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: you're told you can never run again.
0: Yeah. So um, it was 20, 2000, no, 2021 when um, I was training for a Bross Marathon, I was desperately searching that PB or trying to get close to that PB that I've always been after. But, um, and I ran, my knee just blew up one day. It was just massive, and I couldn't walk. And I went to the doctor, and um, the doctor said, and i have been—you could see in my records that I'd mentioned this knee issue before—and he's like, "Oh, it's just a runner's knee. You just need to exercise. You just need to stretch." And I'm like, "Doctor, I've been doing—I've been doing this for now for probably a year. This not—this is not going away. I've been doing my stretches. I'm doing my rolling. Like it's—it's it's still there." And he's like, "Oh, well, I can send you for an MRI, but you're wasting your money." I'm like, "Please, just send me for an MRI. I'm happy to waste my money." So he did. He gave me the script, and I went off for my MRI. And then a week later, he called me and said, "Oh, we—we we found something. You um, need to go see this specialist—a knee specialist." So I'm. Um, Anyway, I went to see this new specialist, and he said that, oh, um, you've been diagnosed with a rare bone disease. It's called synovial chondromatosis. It's, it's pretty rare. It's like one in a million people get it. And um, he, I still remember the words he said. He said, oh, oh, you know, some people get breast cancer. You've got this, so... Um, you know, that's the way it is. And there was no leaflet or anything. He just goes. Home, said to me, go home and do your Googles. So you can imagine what oh, I found when wow. I do my Googles. Good oh, no. bedside manner, eh? Yeah. Was, but, and also, just, yeah, you'll not be a marathon runner anymore. You'll be lucky to do 4K and just basically deal with it. How Someone was
2: having know? a bad day, hey? Oh,
0: I, I, yeah, I, I just think sometimes surgeons, they're just so flippant mm. and they don't really really think about the impact that they're having.
1: Mm. So how did you overcome that?
0: Um Well, I kind of basically gave up for about a year, to be honest with you. Like I kind of gave up on the whole marathon. At that stage, I'd done um, 36. So I've only actually done one marathon since um, I got diagnosed. And I did kind of give up for a while. And I still ran and I still kept fit, but kind of the marathons were kind of off the table. I just thought, oh, you know, I've done 36. It's pretty good going, right? I could just, you know, I've got some good PBs. I could just retire. And that's kind of the story I was telling myself and the story I told everybody. Mm. And then uh, I've got to it was actually a work problem that I came across that um, we were trying to hire a general manager and we couldn't find one anywhere. And again, we'd sort of given up and said, oh, we just can't find one. There's not one in Adelaide. And um, I don't know whether you're into Tony Robbins or not, mm. but um, I've been to a couple of his seminars and I like his philosophy. I know he can be a bit cool, but some of his his ideas I think are, um, mm. are valid. And he's got one called um, The Story You Tell Yourself Is What It Becomes. And um, I kind of was listening to one of his, just his podcasts and um, in relation to this work issue. And I thought that's exactly what we're doing here. We're just telling ourselves the story that we can't find somebody in Adelaide. Like we're resourceful people. We've got, you know, it's it's Adelaide, right? there's, there's got to be somebody that we can hire as general manager. So we just got to attack it differently. So it kind of flipped my um thinking to it. So we attacked a bit differently and we did find someone. But then you got me thinking In thought, that's actually what I'm telling myself about my running. I'm telling myself that mm. I'm done. This is it. This mm. is so actually, and this is what's playing out. The story I'm telling myself is what is happening. I'm telling myself I can't do my business anymore. So I thought, right. What if I just reframe things and try to attack things a bit differently? Which is what I did. I kind of thought, right, well, I'll try the Hobart Marathon. I'll just do a couple of long runs and see if I can run over 30k. Because that was the distance. You need to be running the distance. You've got to be at least doing a few 30k's to run a marathon. So I'll try. So I did a couple and I got through Hobart and I thought, right, okay, I can actually run the distance. Okay, so can I train for the distance? So I guess it's just really about telling yourself a different story.
1: Yeah. Mm. We've had a couple of guests on the podcast, Rose Green, um, Courtney as well, Courtney Baldwin, that have said similar stories. They've been told by the doctors, mm. you know, it can't be done. How important is it to go out there and get a second opinion or just try and work it out yourself that you can still do it? How important is that?
0: Yeah, I, I think the problem with, with doctors and this medical advice is that they're only doing the best with the information they've got, whereas you understand your body and you understand the parameters and you you can make changes so you've got to kind of take control of these things yourself and just really challenge them and try different things there's lots of ways to assess yourself and assess your body and to try different approaches so i think it's important just to not never give up but just to i guess to keep, be persistent
1: hmm. yeah absolutely now chantelle i've got a little story just as we wrap things up here you don't know this but you actually got me into running And this is what this whole podcast is about, Jason. You know how we've been saying there's been little off-the-cuff remarks that have just completely changed your life. So I was bike riding with Finn, her husband, and he said to me, yeah, Chantel, she loves running. She runs 100 kilometres a week. And it was that one comment and I just said, there's no way anyone can run 100 kilometres a week. I'm going to have a crack at it. And I slowly built up. I went for a run the next day, and that's something that got me into running and now again it's completely changed my life and that's exactly what we want to do on this podcast is just create that moment that can make you say you know what let's have a crack and i know a lot of people hearing your story today will just be thinking you know what let's have a crack and if i get an injury if i get a setback let's keep powering through and let's keep doing it Chantel, thank you so much for your time jace
2: thank you what have
1: you got out of today's podcast? Oh, I
2: think your, your last comments that you made around, um, I suppose, listening to your language, because your language does equal what you're going to do and you, in regards to your actions and behaviours and perfect example of change your language,
1: change your results, hey? mm. with the GM role and also your running. If okay. you've got any takeaways for our guest, Chantel. What, would you, what advice would you give anyone that's just become a parent and they're struggling and they've decided, you know what, I want to start getting my health and my fitness back on track?
0: Um, I would say don't, don't feel guilty. Just yeah. feel that y- by giving yourself a little bit of um, me time or giving yourself a little bit of fitness or mental health, it actually makes you better better parent and better for your kids. So d- there shouldn't be any guilt around that.
1: Mm. Fantastic. Chantel, thank you so much for opening up. Thanks for being on the podcast. We'll see everyone next week.
2: Thank you. Thanks again for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Do not forget to like and subscribe, follow, all that stuff that you know you need to do. Please do it. It does make a difference.